You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. But I heard about these these two little boys. You know, they were spending the night with their grandparents, and, you know, before they went to bed, they got on their knees, knelt by the bedside to say their prayers. And, and the youngest one started praying at the top of his lungs, really loud. God, I pray that you will give me a new bicycle. God, I pray that you would give me a new PlayStation and a new DVD player. God, I pray that you would give me a new toy. His brother said, why in the world are you screaming? God isn't deaf. He said, I know, but grandmother is. <laughs> and today we are wrapping up our unsung series, and this is week six. And today we get the wonderful privilege of discovering another hero who, hero who isn't as popular uh, as maybe like Noah or Moses or someone you might have heard of before. But the first week this this series, we talked about Benaiah and how much courage played a role in his, his falling after God's heart. And then we talked about Elisha and how his faithfulness uh, to God and complete God's work just catapulted his life for the better. We also talked about Rahab in the third week and redemption, the plan of redemption that God had uh, you know, with the spies and, and the scarlet cord we talked about. Then we talked about Jonathan and how, how he had a bias to action, how he didn't just wait around for an idea. He took steps to make sure it happened. And then last week we talked about Rebecca and how she had a servant's heart and how much we need to follow after the heart of God, which is to serve others. And then today, our last unsung hero we're talking about is King Josiah. If you've never heard of King Josiah before, uh, it's a very interesting story. He loved and enjoyed the counsel of God. And actually, in 2 Kings 23, it says this, Neither before or after King Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. With all his heart and all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. So the Bible gives us a short description of King Josiah when it says he followed after God's own heart. And it says there was neither before or after a king who turned to the Lord like he did. Isn't that interesting? There's a king no before or after that had as much passion for the Lord as King Josiah. And we're going to get into our text uh, in just a moment. So if you want to turn there, if you have your Bibles, it's 2 Chronicles 34. We're going to be reading verse 1 through 7. But there's a quote there in your notes by John Piper that says this, God created me and you to live with a single, all-embracing, all-transforming passion, namely a passion to glorify God by enjoying and displaying His supreme excellence in all spheres of life. Our number one priority on this earth is to give glory and honor to God. He created us to give glory to God. He also created us to do many other things, right? And He also created us to go and reach the nations for Jesus. So 2 Chronicles 34, 1 through 7, and the first verse I think is the most important to give you a little context. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Now again, remember the scripture that just said he was the most uh, sought, he sought after God the most as king. There's none before or after him that was. This. Look, he was eight years old and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. 
Verse 3. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek God his, of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles and idols. Under his direction, the altars of the Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles and the idols. Then he broke them and scattered them all over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priest on their altars, and so he purged Judah and Jerusalem. In the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as the Naphtali and the ruins all around them, he tore down the altar and the Asherah poles and crushed the idols to powder. And he cut to the pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. Now, King Josiah reigned in a time for Jerusalem that was uh, very difficult because the nation had rejected God. They had turned to idol worship. Obviously, with this story, we see that there was high places that was created for all, uh, you know, altars and worship places, incense, gifts, sacrifices even, the Bible said. People laying down their lives for a false God. And he purged it. He established uh, you know, God's reign again and God's temple. He purged it of this uh, catastrophe. But there are a few things not in your notes this morning that we can learn because of King Josiah's passion. So because of that, he tenaciously pursued God. He did what was right, even in the face of difficulty. Can you imagine how many leaders said, we're not tearing those things down. They've been here for years. We've always done it this way. We've always had this altar for Baal and, and Asherah. We've always had these things. Can you imagine that? He humbled himself before God. It even says here, the God of his fathers, David. So in that, he worshipped and respected and revered the same God. He also, in, in verse 3, we see that he called the nation back to God, and he also cleansed them of idolatry. It was hard work. He sent the nation back to God, and he reestablished as we'll see in later in the 35 and 1, we're not going to read that today, but he reestablished the Passover celebration. And in 34, 8, we see that he brings reformation to the nation of Israel. And that's just a little bit of history. It's not to, to bore you or take a lot of time there. But he, the point of this uh, King Josiah, the unsung hero, is he did some really, really big things for the kingdom of God. And he did a lot of hard work. And so there's a passion that we're talking about today, and that's kind of the driving theme behind the unsung hero of King Josiah. There's a passion of God that can empower you, and it can empower me to do God's work. With cardio blessings, it's the same thing. This guy had an idea, a thought, and it became his passion. Passion uh, fueled his faith, and then faith became action. And so all the, the themes together in these last six weeks we can use to accomplish God's work. Would you agree? All these things together can work together. We use passion, we use courage, we use faithfulness, and all these things we use redemption to bring people into a knowledge of Jesus. And so passion for God will empower you. And the first point that we're going to make this morning is this. You are never too young to be dynamically used of God. You are never too young to be dynamically... And, you, and guess what? You're never too old to be dynamically used of of God. This story today, we're talking about an eight-year-old who became king. But as I said last week, and I use a quote from Craig Rochelle, if you're not dead, you're not done. God's not done with you yet. 
you are never too young or too old to limit God's power. And He can be used through your life. In verse 1 it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned how long? For 31 years. Because it's not the age of the individual that determines the outcome, but the passion, the drive, the faith that motivates him and keeps him going, that keeps him serving, and it dwells within them. You see, he had a passion to serve both God and his country at a very early age, and God put him in a position of leadership. Now, there's some stories of of kids in America and around the world that have done big things, not necessarily for God, but for, for earth, for where they're at, doing big things at their age. And age is not limiting them. The first example I'll give you is Kid President. Has anybody ever seen Kid President? It's funny, hilarious. But he's always encouraging because he has a passion to encourage people. And that's what they've used. But this kid I was reading about named Boyan Slat. At the age of 16, he went diving in Greece. And he was shocked by the volume of plastic floating in the ocean. He seemed that there was more plastic than fish. And so he just just didn't sit back and watch it happen, but he designed a solution. It took him three years. By age 19, he had already implemented the first solution. And he had tested it so it can remove so much as 50% of the garbage in the Great Pacific Ocean in the next five years. 16 years old, has an idea. He sees a problem. He has an idea. He has a passion for it. He puts faith into action. He moves and creates a solution. How amazing, though. We do have a trash problem in our oceans. And he's found a solution. It's incredible. This other guy named Bishop Curry of McKinney, Texas, he had an idea that was sparked by a small child in their neighborhood that died from being left into a car uh, in the outside sun. He remembers the fire trucks and the police and the EMS coming to rescue this child out of the, the heat, and they didn't make it, and so he designed this device, and I forget the name of it, oh, there it is, called Oasis. I wrote it down. But once it gets too hot, a sensor tells it to blow cool air, and it's this really incredible small device. And it also has an antenna built in that will contact authorities and alert parents at the same time. And guess how old he is? Ten years old. Ten years old, starting to design things that save lives. And when I was coming up, In our church, we had an absence of a youth pastor at the time. And I was 13, and I said, I really don't know, Lord, how I can help. I don't know what I can do, but i got to do something because we got 15 teenagers here, and we don't have a youth pastor, we don't have a leader. What can I do? So I started doing what I knew how to do, uh, playing guitar, leading worship, uh, teaching Sunday school class. And then eventually, at at age 15, 16, we started having uh, lock-ins and things like that. And ideas just that keep sporting. Not necessarily all my ideas, but other people around me that that help just start that together. So I would encourage you today that no matter what age you're at, God can use you in your circle of influence. It may not be uh, teaching a Sunday school class. You may not feel comfortable with that. But you can talk one-on-one to a fellow soccer teammate or a fellow student, or a fellow musician about Jesus. You can talk about your faith. You can show them a friendship and a real relationship. You can show them a passion that you have for something, and it can glorify God. So again, we're not limiting God by our age because God can use us at any age, right? We see all throughout the Bible of God using young people. He God uses old people. 
He uses everybody, regardless of their age, because age is just a number, right? It's just a mindset, as somebody would say. It's just a mindset. And I see many of you that serve each week, and it's so awesome to see that there is no limit to how young or how old we can serve in this church, how old or young we can serve in this community. Man, there's so many things we could do, and we put limits on a limitless God all the time. So just like King Josiah, we all can make a difference if we have a passion for God and His work, no matter our age, that's followed by action. So the second point this morning is this. Not only are you never too young to be dynamically used of God, but number two, passion will give you perseverance when the way is hard. How many know that when King Josiah was purging those... uh, those idols and those temples and those incense places, guess what? There was probably some blowback from that. There was probably some retaliation from that. Some people maybe even might have threatened his life. I'm reading in the text just a little bit. But when you tear down somebody's God altar that they've been worshiping for years and years and, and you say we're done with it and you have no choice, they can either move on or move up, right? And so that's, that's the whole... Uh, thing we see here and in verse 3 it says in the eighth year of his reign he began to seek God and then in his twelfth year he began to purge, purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places Asherah poles and idols now Asherah in this uh, portion of scripture is often referred to as Baal's wife or Baal's uh, mistress if you will a relationship with Baal uh, and we see Baal throughout the Old Testament too right We see them several places. And so this is kind of that same uh, idol worship that we've seen uh, in Scripture and in history. And it's he was destroying years of honor and years of history and dedication to some people who had this uh, idol in their life. But here's an interesting statement. A passionate person, a passionate person with limited talent will outperform a passive person who possesses greater talent. Because a passionate person will find a way to overcome the obstacle. You know, I, I tell you quite frequently, I listen to several things on podcasts and things like that. And Eric Thomas says this, I'd rather have a person that has phenomenal will than someone that has phenomenal skill. And the reason he says that is because a passionate person who has a drive for what they want to accomplish and the vision that God's given them is way more impactful than a person that's just talented. Because a talented person can sleep in late. A talented person can just sit by the wayside and know they can do it, but don't. A person that has a passion for something will get up before anybody else to see that it's completed. A passionate person will wake up at 3 and 4 and 5 in the morning to spend time in the Word, to spend time with their passion and pursuing after the dream. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. And another verse in Romans 12 says this, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. So in our life we see that passion can give you a perseverance that lasts even through the tough times. How many know that we all have things in our lives that are hard to work through. And it's our passion a lot of times for following after God, for following after Jesus and His work that gets us through those tough times and that gives us that perseverance. 
people that were in, in our history that were perseverant. I'll start with Colonel Sanders. Everybody loves fried chicken. He went to a thousand places trying to sell his chicken recipe before he found an interested buyer. Now, I'll just be quite honest. If I was making fried chicken and I went to ten places that didn't like it, I'd probably stop and just eat some for myself. But a thousand places, that's a lot of work. Thomas Edison tried over 10,000 times before he got the light bulb correct. Michael Jordan, we know the story, was rejected in his high school and middle school basketball teams before he was in the light, in the spotlight. The original business plan for what had come FedEx was actually given a failing grade on his college exam, on Fred Smith's college exam. In the early days, their employees would cash their paychecks at retails, retail stores rather than banks because it would take longer for the check to clear because FedEx didn't have the money. And now they're a global enterprise, right? So there's people who have been perseverant. Another one is Sylvester Stallone. He was turned down. He had $600 in his bank account before he found a producer that would help him. Paul, in the, in the Bible, also persevered in the face of adversity. If you remember correctly, I have the story here from Acts 14. It says this, Jews came from Antioch in this place, Iconium, and after winning the crowds over, they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, and presumed him to be dead. Now that's pretty bad, right? But the very next day, it says here, on the next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. And what was his mission there? They were proclaiming the good news in that city and made many disciples. Now, I imagine that the course of history might be altered just a hair if Paul had not gone to that area of the world. If Paul was not perseverant, if he said, oh, woe is me. But that's not the kind of guy Paul was. He was a perseverant dude. We're reading in men's Bible study. We've just finished the book of Acts. We're going to the book of John if you want to join us on Wednesday morning bright and early at 6 a.m. Uh, however... We've studied this whole story of Paul and how perseverant he was in the face of time after time after time of courts and law and all kinds of trials that he encountered that he's working through. And so people keep going when they have a passion. And Paul's passion was fueled by that day he saw Jesus. And the same can be said for us. The day we met Jesus can fuel our passion. And even now we can rediscover him. So it's amazing what God can do with an individual that has passion that leads to perseverance. And number three will be this. Passion will feed faith, opening the way for God's work. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith sometimes is really tough to have, right? God, I believe your promises in your word. We talk about faith that heals people. Many times in scriptures, we talk about this quite often. Many times in the scripture, the faith of the person, Jesus said, healed them. Faith to move mountains. Faith, as in the Bible, in Matthew 8, 23, Jesus calming the storm. It says, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. There was a great storm, so that boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus was asleep. 
They went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O ye of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now, when we're dealing with trials in our life, it's important to reflect on passages like that. Because Jesus said, You have little faith. And the winds and the wave, he spoke peace, and they were still. And the same can be said for your life and mine. When we have a situation in our life, Jesus can be our peace speaker. We can have faith that will open the way for God's work. John Maxwell says this, People are such that whenever anything fires their souls, impossibilities vanish. Impossibilities vanish. My aunt and uncle one time, we were eating lunch at their house and they told us about this story there was a family that was in the grocery store. They could tell they just didn't have a lot of, of money and, and they became to know them and, and got their contact information. They end up buying them uh, a whole bunch of groceries. I mean, big bags of, of rice and, and beans and, and things like that. And they really didn't have the money uh, at the time. Really didn't have the extra money to spend. I think one of them had just lost their job. Anyway, they felt compelled by God to have faith even when they didn't have the money. And so it's interesting as they tell this story, they made the sacrifice, they bought the rice, the beans, the food that they needed. They spent all kinds of money on the family because that's what they felt. And the very next week, they receive a check in the mail for exactly the amount that they had spent on groceries for that family. And it was some sort of refund check that they didn't know they were going to get. Isn't it amazing how when we're faithful... To God, when we feed our faith, opportunities just open right up. When you are faithful in the few, just like we talked about last week, God opens bigger opportunities. When you see a person today that needs healing, that needs hope, that needs restoration, that needs encouragement, if you have faith and you have a passion to help that person, God will make it happen through you if you're open to His work. So not only do passion feed our faith and that opens the way for God to work, but the last point today and point number four is this. As the worship teams comes forward, passion will empower you to make a difference. And I would even add, passion will empower you to be the difference. One person can change another person's life for eternity. Not without God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus. I understand that. But one person taking a measure of faith, taking a passion, driving it home to that person can change their life forever. It's important to realize that the work we did yesterday has the potential to impact those people's lives forever. One person will not be living the same way he did because he's checked into a rehab facility. Hopefully he's going to get the help he needs. But there are people in our lives every day. There are people outside on these streets. I'm not sure if you're aware. There's people out in, in our church congregation even that needs someone that has faith, that needs an empowerment to make a difference. People are ready. People are willing to follow after someone who has a passion And I can guarantee you it's much easier to follow someone who's excited and passionate about what they're doing than just good skill. Because I've been under leaders before that were good at what they did, 
but they had no passion. And I'm telling you, when you're there, it's a bad place. Because there's no direction, there's no vision. There's no unction to do anything. But the good news for us is we can create our own passion. We can find what God has gifted us to do and move in those giftings. Even right here on Sunday. Even during the week in our communities and in our jobs. It will empower you to make a difference. Second Chronicles 34, 35. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites. And he had all were present serve the Lord. As long as he lived. Listen to that. As long as King Josiah lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their fathers. Man, they had a passionate leader. As long as he lived, they didn't falter or fail to serve the Lord. Man, I want that said at my funeral. As long as Daniel lived, he did not fail to serve his God. As long as Daniel lived, he did not have any kind of lack. We don't have any question about his passion to reach people for Jesus. As long as he lived, he had a passion to serve his family and lead them to Jesus and model after Jesus. The community recognized him. Not because of his greatness, but because of his passion for Jesus. I want it to be said of you and my, my family, my son, my wife, my legacy to be... A passionate empowerment of the gospel of Jesus embodied in us. So that people's lives are forever changed. And it started with an eight-year-old boy for the nation of Israel. And it can start with you. And it can start with me here in Statesville, North Carolina. There are a lot of people that need Jesus here. There are a lot of people that need help here. And sometimes before you get to talk about Jesus, you have to meet, just like Jesus did, a physical need. The woman at the well, he didn't start talking about all kinds of things. He said, I'll give you some living water. He started with what issues she was dealing with. In the same way, when we go out into the public, when we minister to folks, we oftentimes have to start where they're at, what they're dealing with, and have a passion to empower them. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord. So I have a couple questions. How can you, how can I make a difference right where you're at, right where we are? How can you in your job, how can you in your family, how can you in your community, in your city, in your world, begin to make a difference, to be a passion-empowered follower of Jesus that can make a difference and change the world around you? Because we all know that change happens one person at a time. True change, 180 degrees, happens because of one person at a time. Meeting the love. Meeting Jesus. How can you make a difference right where you are? Just begin to think about that. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you. God, where I am right now in my job, how can I impact people for your kingdom? How can I minister and use my story, use my testimony to give glory to God? Look, some of you experienced healing. I've experienced healing. 
you use that when people go through a trial. Say, God has delivered me. God has healed me. And you use that. I've had an addiction. God set me free. All kinds of things that you can say in your life that you've been through. God has been faithful when my family didn't have any money, any jobs. Some stranger came and gave us a donation. When we didn't have any food, somebody gave us food. You can be that change. One of my favorite quotes is this. Be the change you want to see in the world. There's a whole lot of griping, complaining, and people that think they got all the answers on Facebook about every situation. But if people spent a 10% amount of the time that they complain about it, rather than taking action to fix it, our world would be completely different, folks. And the same can go for our church and our families. If we spend as much time taking action as we did talking about it, we would look completely different. So what makes the difference? What makes the drive? Passion empowers us through faith to make a difference. Would you stand with me today as we close and let's pray together? I'm going to do something a little bit different today with our prayer teams. Everybody say, wave wave to Scott and Susie back there. Would you wave, Scott and Susie? There you go, wave at them. They're going to be back over there. And I'm going to just open up the floor for prayer if you have a need in your life. Or if you want them to pray for you. That you would be empowered to use your story, to use your testimony, to use your life in the good for Jesus in the kingdom. They're going to pray with you over that. We're going to do it a little bit different today. But that's okay. Difference good sometimes. We're going to close with an excellent song. And the song is called, Lord, I Need You. Every hour, I need you. No matter what situation in our life we face, we need God Almighty. We need Him to show up in a miraculous way every day, and we don't even know it. But that hand was taken off. We sure recognize it. But the empowerment that God gives us today will transform, I believe, through this message today and this week, will transform our community if we let it. If we learn to live by it and not just hear it. Allow the Holy Spirit right now to touch your heart. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Bow your head. Think about all the situations you encounter on a daily basis. From getting up in the morning, your feet touching the floor, your morning routine, to getting to work, what you listen to in the car, who you encounter at the store after work, the sports games you might attend for your children, or the events in the community, or just being with your family. How can God empower you to make a difference? Because just like King Josiah is not, was not limited by his age, neither you will be limited by your age or your circumstances. Because there's some big mountains in our lives. There's some big walls that God has to move. And He will if we have that faith. So just begin to ask, God, how can I make a difference right where I'm at? God, how can I make a difference in my family, in my community, in my church, and in the world? Because if I haven't learned one thing, it's that one thing is this. Prayer changes 
things. Prayer opens up the mighty windows of heaven to speak right to God. We have that communication. We don't need a mediator, a priest, or anything like that to talk to God. And so prayer opens up the miraculous window. And I know many of you today need the miraculous in your life. And so do I. I can't live without it. So God, today, as we close this service, I pray that you would minister to people's hearts, God, and that you would show them the passion, the empowerment that you have for their lives wherever they are, in their workplace, in their family, God, in their community, in their city, in this church, and God, in the world. God, show them an area where they can tap into today, this week. God, not delaying your work, but God, reaching people for Jesus, touching people where they are in the situations that you're in, telling about your faithfulness and your goodness in our own hearts and lives. So God, open up those doors this week. Open up those doors today at lunch. God, open up those doors today as we go to coffee and and go to the store and other things to get ready for the week. God, I pray that you would open up opportunities for us to serve you and to give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody sit together. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.